0: We are back, back in action. It's April eighth, and the ranger season's over. They didn't get the top lottery odds, so now we're here. We are very sad. My name's
1: Joe. You're very sing-songy lately. I have, I like singing.
0: It That's makes not me happy. Doing,
1: it's not doing the show any favors, but you know what? I want you to be happy. You I don't know you do why. You, buddy. I don't know
0: why you would think that. I don't know why you would assume. You're listening to Bantering the Blue Shirts. This is the flagship episode. My name is Joe Fortunato. I am joined as always by my co-host, Michael Murphy. Mark Murgley. Mark Murgley. The hockey-esteemed Mark Murgley, who uh, was an assistant coach for the uh, Japanese Siberian Princess Rabbits.
1: Oh, no. That's the team. A lot of... Team Japan's players in the World Women's Championships, which are being played right now, a lot of them are from a team called the Cebu Princess Rabbits, which is probably my favorite hockey team name, other than the Greenville Swamp Rabbits, of course. What does the logo look like? I don't is know. a rabbit with a little crown on it? I don't know. It's one of those things where it will never match what is in my mind. Like, my... It'll fail to live well, up what to the, the What are they called? Let's use the old Google the Cebu, Seibu S E I B U Princess Rabbits, and Hello. that's two words.
0: It's already popped up. Is it any good? Um,
1: hang on. I'm just worried it's gonna. It is disappointing. Don't look at it. It's disappointing. Oh, that's what I was worried about. So
0: it says like it says it's almost. Like you, you want so much. It's just a bunny. That's all it is. With the script princess rabbits underneath it. It's uh-huh. a pink bunny. Uh-huh. Yes, KK. That's a bunny. Um, it has two long ears, but there's no like crown or anything on it. So how would you know that it's a princess? I mean, oh, they have a sick jersey actually. Their second it's an jersey. Horrible bunny though. I oh, you looked, looked it up. up.
1: Yeah. Do, I, did I you see
0: it. this? You see the second jersey, the yellow jersey. That's going on right here. It has the the goddamn rabbit right across the front of it, the bright yellow Quinnipiac-style jersey, and it has just a rabbit with long ears. That's awesome. That is pretty that good. That is solid. Yeah, that is that's solid. That's a good bunny right. jersey. Yeah, I'm in on it. I'm in now. I anyway, think. Think New York Rangers. Uh, Yeah, let's talk about the New York Rangers, Michael. They finished the the season, I I was writing about this today, Mm -hmm. in an impressive manner. I think they finished the season in a way that was not even possible until they did it. They had the lowest number of row in the NHL, the most overtime losses, and the most games that went to overtime. Talk to me about what the Rangers did and did not do in terms of favors
1: for themselves, Michael. Well, it's interesting because I've been thinking about this a lot today, knowing we're doing the show tonight. And I feel like some people could say, you know, if, if the Rangers sign Panarin and, uh, you know, they, they make another move or two in the offseason, you know, how many of these one goal games that went the wrong way could go the right way? Um, that was like something that occurred to me today. It's like, yeah, you know, they were in a lot of close games, but I, unless something dramatic happens with the blue line... Like, uh, you know, Hank, you know, is finally really slowing down and uh, Georgiev had a really great year. And that is, he's one of the the real silver linings of the story. But the number of times this team, largely because of its goaltending, just dragged its sorry ass into overtime to pick up that loser point um, was crazy. Like it was legitimately the thing that kind of, killed their chances of getting the best odds for the lottery pick. If if, if they did half as many of these, it would be a wildly different story. But here we are, Joe. This team, I mean, I don't even remember how many times they went to overtime. The answer is just way, way too many, especially because their record...
0: Well, we could do the math on this. So they have 14
1: yep. overtime
0: losses, right? Then they That's. have 26 row and 32 wins, which means they have another... Six. So they went to overtime 20
1: times. Okay. They played a fourth of the season in overtime. And 11 times they went to the shootout, and they had a 6-5 and record in the shootout. So that's five, quote-unquote, worthless points for a team like the Rangers, who should have been, you know, salivating over the best lottery odds. So that's, you know, five points you didn't need to lose in the shootout. Um, and then what is it nine losses in overtime? The Ottawa Senators 14 overtime losses, Michael. 14.
0: I A know mass- but the, the OT Oh, you're talking you're talking overtime not not yes. the shootout. Yeah, I'm just trying to
1: identify the overall OT losses. I, po- I, I think apologize, it's I, apologize. I might be wrong folks with the numbers. Um, I'm
0: sorry. The the rank just to put things into perspective, the Rangers finished with 26 row. It's easily the lowest in the league. Okay, yeah. the Ottawa Senators, who had 64 points, the Rangers had 14 more points than them. They had 29. They had 29. I mean, I, I really, I, you really,
1: I want you to think. Vancouver was second to last. They had 28. And Vancouver, they did not No, themselves. I'm sorry, that was LA. That was LA had 28, Vancouver had 29. Actually, um,
0: Vancouver, or not Vancouver, Los Angeles and New Jersey both have 28. Oh, and they're, Jersey you know, second too, and third yeah. in the lottery odds. The Rangers, on the other Buffalo hand, are, are, are sixth. Buffalo, with a massive late-season effort on the tank, got themselves to the fifth-best lottery odds. The Rangers, three points. Pavel Buchnevich scored with, like, seven seconds left. Um, some, Did you see, like, there were people who, were, who thought it was hysterical and ironic that Buchnevich who, like, we all wanted to succeed, scored the goal that took away the chances of getting fourth overall in the lottery odds. Like, like, some people, like, you just hate Buchnevich or you hate us. Hi, Kaylin. Yeah, Kaylin, she doesn't like it either. Um, but the Rangers will finish sixth, so let's talk about that for a minute. We're talking sure. about the Rangers dealing with, and I'm looking at the raw numbers on Tankathon. So they have a 7.5% chance at getting the top overall pick. They have mm-hmm. a 23.3 percent chance of getting a top three pick. We'll we'll talk about that being a risk in a minute because you don't want to get three. You want to get one or two. But Mike, it's a little bit better odds than they had last year. Last year they were 19 percent and 6.5 respectively.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, the Rangers, if, if you had to grade them overall, year is over at how well they did at tanking. And we are less than 24 hours away from the draft lottery sim, the draft lottery selection yeah.
1: as of this. Not, probably not when you're going to be
0: listening to this. So you'll be listening to this Tuesday morning. But what are your overall thoughts on the season the Rangers had, where they are? Was the juice worth the squeeze before they do the lottery?
1: That's the thing. Like, we know Quinn said early on, they're playing to win hockey games this year, and we understood that. So it's not surprising to me that they kind of shot themselves in the foot in in an effort to get to that race to the bottom, which is, in essence, a race to the lottery pick, um, because this team just, uh, just stuck around in a lot of games thanks to its goaltending. I mean, uh, I know Shayna's working on a, a great piece about numbers that kind of define the Rangers' season, and... She's looking at, you know, how many times this team allowed, you know, had goaltenders who posted 40 or more saves, how many times this team, you know, clawed its way into overtime. And how, when and especially in games where they're out-chance and out-shot. And it just, uh, it's it kind of became the story of this season, Joe, is how the Rangers were really routinely outplayed, but they found a way to kind of stick around. And, you know, you look at the, uh, you know, just... If you just look at the standings on, you know, on, on NHL.com, Joe, the Rangers had a minus forty-five goal differential, and you know that's all strengths and everything. But it's not that bad, right? actually. All things minus considered. Minus minus forty-five. It's it's not that bad, all things considered. But when you try to like, it, it's a very poor way to measure overall offense. Just to like click, all right, where did the Rangers rank in terms of total goals for? They were tied for twenty-second in the league. In total goals for, and you know that wasn't really the big story this season, as we know, Joe. The real story was they were the eighth team, eighth lowest team in, uh, or should say, the eighth highest team in goals against, and that was had a lot more to do with the defense than it did with Lundqvist and Georgiev. But I think you and I can both say comfortably that you know Lundqvist's play went down a notch or two this year and i think it we can say that pretty comfortably because he didn't get a lot of opportunity especially in the last third of the season to kind of get back into his rhythm um which is something that he did in the past right he would play to kind of get his game right before the playoffs and to the point where you're like why are they playing him they got to let him rest and he would want the games but now they're you know playing Georgiev and uh you know it, it's definitely a good thing because we're starting to get a better idea of what Georgiev is and the good news is he looks like he's an NHL goalie uh, which means he has value not only potentially as a trade asset but also to this team but to kind of go back to your question if the if their objective was to finish with the best possible odds for a lottery pick they did a pretty bad job because they were a team that stuck around uh, they played themselves into a lot of overtimes they had no business being in, and which on one hand of, is is endearing, yeah. right? Like you no, want to yeah, see that's... those
0: things. David Quinn demanded that this team go all out and buy in, but there is also and Mike is not stupid. I'm I am not know stupid. I am pretty none dumb. of us were asking the Rangers to to tell their players like to lose intentionally, but the brass could have made like John Gilmore. Why wasn't he playing more? You know what I mean? Why weren't Hedl and Anderson... Why did the Rangers let Fast play while he was hurt? Or Kreider to the point where Kreider didn't even hit career highs anywhere. He just tied his goals career high at 28. Yeah, like, why Why, why is, were you uh, making 1-9. those decisions? Put Tim Gettinger in there. Call it Matt you know, Like, who cares? You want
1: to lose. Yeah, the big thing I think I know... I think I saw something about this in uh in bantering points for our Q&A but the other thing I think we have to bring up when we talk about how this team did is the amount of games they played guys hurt um especially when they had options they had options in the AHL uh you know they had options for guys they could give a look uh you know give a look at which would help you know you could bring up Like pretty much anyone other than Connor Brickley and call it like it'll serve its service towards the rebuild, right? Like just let let us Steve Fogarty come up play a game. Let Ryan Gropp play a game. Like just anything that has a guy under the age of 24 from Hartford. But no, we learned that, you know, Jesper Faust had, you know, had torn ligaments uh, in his hand and broken his thumb sometime around the All-Star break. And. He kept playing, and we knew all the time. He was being held out of practice, but they kept playing him. And Crowder played Hurt for a long time. And And probably hurt his own contract value, if we're
0: being honest.
1: Honestly, it's crazy to think about that. That's a whole other story. Yeah, because he, like you mentioned, he matched his goal total, right? But his previous career high in points was 54. He finished with 53 this season, and that is in no small part due to the fact that he was playing Hurt. And then he really got derailed in terms of the momentum he had. Like, if you look at uh, his splits between what he did before the All-Star break and after the All-Star break, it's crazy. I can actually pull it up really quick right now. In his first 31 games of the season, Joe, he had... What is it? In his... In the last... What is it? He had... Doing quick math on this? The first 48 games of the year, he had 22 goals. Okay. And then in the last 31 games after the All Star break, he had six goals. So 22 goals before the All Star break, six goals afterwards. Um, it, it doesn't like why. It's a tale he, of two seasons, right? Yeah. Why, would why, play are you why are you playing hurt? Why are you playing hurt? In a lot, everyone knows coming in this season, it's a lost year. Like, and the reason you know it's lost year is we we knew from. It was clear as in the locker room, like Zuccarello talked about, like, yeah, I knew I was getting traded because that's part of this. Like everyone is fully aware that this is what, what the the climate was. This is the landscape of this Rangers season, and it's really a shame because you know it it actually might end up serving the Rangers very well that they could potentially re-sign Kreider uh, to you know a far more favorable contract, but. Um, it sucks for him because he was on pace to be a 30 goal scorer for the first time in his career, and he didn't get there. Joe, like you said, he just finished just shy at 28, and it's a uh, it's a real shame. And instead, it's Ryan Strom scoring all the goals. Joe,
0: Ryan Strom could not stop scoring if you tried to pay him to, uh, which hysterical. I think Rangers fans would have lobbied to do. Um, the but like to there seems to be this contingent of people who think oh hockey players should just play hurt Rick Carpinello, not to you know name drop but if I'm going to talk about them I guess I should say their name. Um, he was like, why wouldn't fast play hurt? You know why shouldn't like oh he's a warrior Chris Kreider's a warrior. It's stupid. I'm sorry, it's stupid. They're not, Especially they're not warriors, look, though. I'll tell you they're what <laughs> uh, they're, <laughs> they're humans players, right? The they're actually and and here's the thing the argument of. Um, the argument of they want to play—that means nothing to me. Athletes should want to play, okay? Professional at- athletes are inherently competitive; they, they should want the fuel to play. On
1: of testosterone and adrenaline, they always and want monster to play. energy and probably monster energy and smelling salts. This
0: podcast is sponsored by. Is I don't even. I have not drank an energy drink in drunk. I've no, no, I have one not one drank an energy night. drink. Right, that's correct grammar. I have not drank an yeah. energy drink. Mm -hmm. Mm. in I don't know how long. I have no idea. I guess I had Red Bull in college, maybe? I I don't know. But they want to play. Don't play them. That's one of the things that I'm talking about. Like, it's very, very difficult to say, uh, you know, like... If it's the Eastern Conference, like, McDonough playing on a broken foot in the Eastern Conference Finals. It's a different animal. Fine, I guess, if you can't hurt something anymore and it's not a head injury. You know, that's a conversation to have. When you want to fucking lose,
1: what are you doing? Especially Oh, no, baby, what is you doing? What is he doing, baby? The other thing is, like, okay, so Crider is hurt. He'll sit for a couple weeks. You know what happens? is Philippeal gets a chance to play up in the lineup and then maybe Leas Anderson gets a chance to play minutes that aren't on the fourth line. Yeah, it that's that's a team. huge part of this. It serves the fucking team and that's the part that furthermore like if if this organization as is as in love with Kreider as it looks like they are from the outside looking in, they're doing themselves a disservice by sit, like you know patting him on the back and saying, "All right, kids, stay out there, you know, keep keep doing what you do and like the reason people like you can risk a more severe injury if like if you're playing banged up you can get hurt worse that just that's just reality is you can not only can you aggravate a different injury but you can find yourself in a more vulnerable position because you're favoring let's say one of your legs isn't as strong and maybe you, you've put yourself in situations you wouldn't normally put yourself in you get vulnerable you get hurt it happens all the time and that's the part of this where you know in in if we're talking the big picture stuff that is the sort of thing that goes right up there with why the hell did they trade for adam McQuaid? why didn't we see john gilmore you know until we saw him and then even then it was just a fleeting thing and now he's really the only pending ufa on this team where you do have to stop and think for a second and even if you know a lot of people think gilmore joe is just like a career AHLer. But the bottom line is, he's a career AHL All Star. Yeah, he's right? he's
0: going to get an NHL look next year. It's not going to be on the Rangers, but I can promise you, he's going to yeah, get a look.
1: If it, just based on what he did this year alone, of course he will. There there are enough teams that have that need. A guy who can skate like the wind and put up a ton of points in the AHL playing D. How old is he? Twenty six now. It doesn't matter. They'll still give him a look. Um, I don't know. They, it feels like it was uh, it was definitely a. You know we, we knew what this year was coming into it we talked about it you know back in the fall and you know talked about especially because we were trying to figure out things with the McQuaid trade and how quiet the rangers were in free agency for the most part um and you know so much talk about you know the, the two-year deals to spooner and vlad and you know now we find ourselves joe at the end of this 82 game season um kind of somewhere in the thing that we all feared right is the rangers taking this kind of middle road like the middle way is no way at all right the
0: dreaded middle
1: yeah you you don't commit all the way uh either way and for years the rangers you know you wrote a great piece about say legacy and how you can't fault him for being consistent and always swinging for the fences at least that was what he did like he he may not have gone about it in the right way, but he was always ready to throw the big contract and, and make the big trade. And often it was reckless and often it was costly, but sometimes when it worked, holy hell did it work to the Rangers' benefit. And I love the point you brought up in your story about that. But this year, I feel like a lot of people confuse this as the first year the Rangers rebuild. It does not. Like I think you can make a strong case that it started with the Stepan trade um, and you know the Broussard trade and now you know that means we're further along in the rebuild that means this year should have been a lot more clear-cut in terms of where this team should be headed and that means giving these kids a chance but I guess you know the reality I guess is here maybe there just wasn't enough confidence in the organization to give more of these young players a chance I mean remember Brett Howden was not expected to be in this lineup Joe and he was the kid the forward at least who got Really, the most leash and the longest look this season. Um, you know, if not for his injury, you know, you want to talk about a guy who was given, you know, a real opportunity, especially in the first third of the year. Like, Howden and Pionk were treated like they were, you know, the most coveted guys on the team in many ways. And that, you know. And who. Uh, that's, you know, Howden, I don't mean to interrupt
0: you, but really, no, no, no. two of the big, like, I think the the biggest. I'm trying to think of how to word this. It's good yeah. and bad. Quinn gave a ton of leash to Quinn and or to Quinn gave a ton of leash to not himself. Pionk and howed him, who yeah. probably at points needed a little bit more of the tough love that he was giving everybody. Yeah. Else. And you and I said if he, if you're gonna go like if you're gonna do that, do it with Pionk. Do it without him. Don't do it with, you know, and I'm just making something up, Jimmy VC, which actually Quinn ended up doing anyway. Don't do it with Mark Stahl. You know what I mean? Do it with a kid. And hand in the air... I think that the Rangers, like, I, I'm, I'm giving Quinn credit for D'Angelo and Bucinevich, although I think it's fair to say that both of them would have just done well with playing time alone. Bucinevich and Quinn looked like they were having a blast together as the year went on. I can't tell you how many times we saw the two of them laughing on the bench. D'Angelo, I'm writing this in my story, my year-end review, which is going up tomorrow slash today, if you're listening to this on Tuesday. Um, I don't think it's crazy to say D'Angelo's NHL career was saved by David Quim. By somebody who sat down and worked with him and said, cut this shit out or else you're not going to be an NHL player because this is the last stop. This is the very last stop. So you have to give him credit for those two. You have to give him credit for... Um, Zabanajad and Hayes and Kreider. You have to say Pionk didn't work out, not for lack of trying. how did him, Hedel, Anderson, Heedle, especially, he's 19 years old. He's not going to be 20 until September. So it's hard to make adjustments and analysis on those players. Really, my biggest gripes with Quinn was the defense was a disaster, and how much of that is Quinn, how much of that is rough. Um, I don't think he knew what he was in for when it came to Hedl and Anderson specifically Heedle, who played in 75 games. And that will be valuable experience for him. But, you know, that exists. And really, it's the third thing is he does tough love with everybody. And it worked on some guys, and it didn't work on others. But yeah. David Quinn got what he wanted out of this team. And the Rangers, It, it not that it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be, the team was way more fun than I thought they were going to be. And there's a lot of kids. The core is really? young. What do you mean, really? I didn't find them very fun this year. The Rangers?
1: Yeah, I found, no, I did. I, I did. found a couple aspects of the team. Yeah, I found. I I'm the, not saying
0: every game was fun. More often than not, it no. was a goddamn disaster. But there were games where the Rangers, like my jaw was on the floor, like when they were taking the fucking game to Tampa Bay. You know what I mean? Little yeah, yeah, moments you, like that, where it's like, wow, there is point. something and here. Toronto. Yeah, they, and here's the other thing: they Once, pushed above their
1: weight in some fun games. I'm like a
0: big, guy. I'm a big believer in setting the bar. Okay. If you tell me, and this comes from my, my day-to-day job, if you tell me that a 3 out of a 10 is a win, like th- the expectation is we're not going to make the playoffs, we're going to be a bad team, I want to see X, Y, and Z, and that's what the Rangers did, I'm fine with what they did this year. I really am. I wish they lost a few more games. I wish they didn't go to overtime as much, but that's a byproduct of the team. Like you're going to shit on Georgiev playing really well, You're going to be upset with the fact that David Quinn is these guys believing they could never give up? I can't. you got to take the good with the bad. So the problem that comes down to something like this, you've already sucked. The season is over. You wasted the year. Not wasted, but the year is over, right? Now you got to win the draft lottery, and the Rangers probably won't. They're not getting a first or second overall pick. Let's just... Like, it's nice to think about. It's probably not happening. My actual guess is the Rangers are going to get the third overall pick because they quote-unquote win the lottery, but it actually means fucking nothing, Um, which is exactly, you know, what it would be. But if you win, if you get the first or second round pick, the whole season was worth it because you're getting a game-changer, a franchise-changing player tomorrow, assuming the draft is, you know, once the draft goes. You're getting them to insert into your lineup where they're going to have an NHL impact right away. You get anywhere else the Rangers can pick because they can pick no worse than eighth. Actually, ninth. I think they can pick ninth. Um, Actually, I don't know. Yeah, they could pick ninth. Um, You're just, it's not like fine. You're going to get a good prospect. Maybe the best prospect in the farm system, but not somebody who's gonna help you tomorrow so that's the problem that's why you want to lose those games. I saw a lot of like why are you rooting for the other team? why do you want this to happen blah 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 like you, because you're here already, especially at the end of the season in april you're you sucked the whole year it's over
1: you did that already get the fucking thing for tomorrow, especially after the trade deadline if you're still if you're still hanging on to hope like you're i don't and, you know, I get it. There are some people, you know, what? you always root for the team to win. But I, I don't think they always uh, always focus on the big picture that technically this season the Rangers losing is the is the Rangers winning. Because you increase your odds of getting, like you said, that franchise player. And if you're outside the one or two pick, if it's not Hughes or Capo Caco, you don't necessarily there's a good chance maybe you could find a guy who could be a part of your franchise for a long time, but they're not on the same tier. They're not a guy who can maybe be in the lineup next year and you feel like it's a no-brainer. You have to have a discussion. And for this city, this city that's been talking about signing Panarin since, what, November? Like, (laughs) it, it goes without saying that people want this rebuild over sooner rather than later, and I don't blame them. But I don't understand when they want it both ways, Joe. Can't have it both ways. All right, Michael. We've
0: dissected enough of the season. I'm sure we'll do more of it on the uh, Q&A show. All right. By the way, quick announcement. The flagship is going to be a little bit shorter today because we're going to do the flagship. We're going to do the Mm -hmm. Q&A. And then Mike is going to put on a very special post-lottery show, potentially Mm -hmm. with Shayna and Tom. Yeah, the day after the lottery. You're getting three uh,
1: gonna, fucking podcasts this week, you ungrateful bastards. I'm going to try and do just kind of a, an immediate reaction. Um, maybe talk about the best thing we ever won on a lottery ticket. I don't know. Uh, last year, I did it with my brother Connor, and that was fun. Uh, you did. We did it, it was live. sexy. Um, you know what, Joe? Before we wrap up, I wanted to ask you, what was your favorite story of this season? Is it Zabanajad? Is it Georgiev? Is it D'Angelo finally proving he's an NHLD? By the way, we're not wrapping up yet. We have one more
0: topic. To All right, about. that's fine. A big topic that I can't believe neither of us thought of when we were pre preparing the show.
1: Well, we also should talk about the breakup day.
0: Well, we should, we need to talk about Sather.
1: Oh, nice yeah, too.
0: Um, so here's the thing my favorite memory of the season. Yeah, your favorite storyline. Oh, storyline or individual memory? Storyline, as in. I, I the think my Jatter. my favorite storyline is Buchnevich and D'Angelo. just because it was so satisfying to like be on that train because it didn't look good for a while, and then have them prove that you know you were right to put your faith in us.
1: The Train came into the station, Joe.
0: Okay, the J train goes in and out. Okay, comes in, comes out, makes lots of stops,
1: makes a couple stops. All right, what was your and favorite storyline? that is what i you know i was trying to like i was tossing it over in my head and like i i tweeted today i was building my uh my final rangers radar for the season and i was trying to appreciate just how special zibinajad's season was right and looking back on it joe there have only been 12 guys since the 94 cup who have scored 30 goals with the rangers it's Dvorak, Flurry, Gabrick twice, Graves three times, Yager twice, Lindros once, Messier twice, Nash once, Nedved once, Pruka once, Pat Verbeek once, and now Mika Zibanejad. It just doesn't happen. It's a, a sad
0: lot. and depressing list. It
1: doesn't it's, happen a lot it, on it, New York. It happens plenty on other teams. But that that just kind of goes to show how how special of a year this was for for Mika. I mean. He had the most points in a Rangers season, Joe, since Marion Gabrick. And I believe it was 20, I think it was 2011-12. Yeah, 2011-12, Gabrick had 76. Mika finished with uh, 30 goals, 44 for, for a 74-point season. I mean, I mean, we, don't get me wrong, Mika Zibanejad isn't a top 10 or top 15 or even top 20 player in the league. He's a very special player though. Tied He's,
0: for 38th in scoring.
1: In like he he is und and on this team to do that is and to to play all 82 games after the injury concerns. Like there's all these little things you can look at where you just you nod your head and you say what a year, right? And we didn't have a lot of fun storylines this year, but uh Zabinijad from from early on was just outstanding and like the, that to me is like that's what you root for in a season like this you root for guys to have those big years and holy hell did Mika Jad have a great year just not only in the context of this team but in the context of this Rangers team since its last cup he's in a really unique class and I know that the 17 instances of 30 goal scorers since the 94 cup like a lot of people who responded to my t- tweet were just like that's fucking brutal that it's that low but like yeah, it's brutal, but that makes it all the more special, doesn't it? For fuck's sake. It, it makes it all the more Rangers. It really it makes does. makes it all the more Rangers. Um,
0: all right, Rangers. quickly, Glenn Sather. Glenn Sather. Uh, stepping down at the end of the year, he's in the process of uh, hiring his replacement. Mm-hmm. I want to say, and I've had time to think about this, I knew a kid whose father, I'm sorry, <clears throat> I knew a kid whose grandfather was a professional gambler. That was what he did for a living. Um, He said that when his dad was a kid, he would wake up one morning and they would not have a car. And he would wake up one morning and they would have hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of cash in their living room. And I feel like that's kind of what our relationship was with Glenn Sather. When he hit, like Mike said... It was the Yager trade, you know, just something that how could you have found this much gold type deal? And when he did not they were abysmal failures that that ended up following him throughout his career. And ultimately, Glenn Sather leaves. you, You can't if you don't win a Stanley Cup, it does not mean you are a failure. It does not mean you didn't do your job. It does not. It's not this bottom line, be all, end all. And and it's the same argument that we're going to make with Henrik Lundqvist when he inevitably hangs up the skates. But when you say, if I had that team salary cap, I would win the Stanley Cup every year, and you have 19 years and you don't ever do it, not even once. You can't look at Glenn Sather's tenure in New York as anything other than underwhelming. I think he was a. I don't think he was nearly as bad as some people think, you know, he was. I think he had his bad years for sure. I definitely think that he probably should have been fired very early in his career just for the dark ages and all the bullshit. But toward the end, Glenn Sather was a competent general manager, at least in the sense of, you know, the moves he made made sense. The risks he took made sense. And, you know, hopefully he
1: finds something nice. So here's my question for you. I think we can both agree that Sather in his tenure it was 15 years in one month as the GM and then as you mentioned another four years as the uh, the president right in your opinion because like, we both acknowledge it was not an unmitigated disaster with him at the helm like he did have some hits he did make some good moves but how much of that do you think is skewed by the new york factor and that to me means the the giant piggy bank before the salary cap and that also to me means players who chose to say yes i'll be traded to the rangers or yes i'll sign with the rangers um and that influence like how much of that offset some of his bad decisions because you know going by cap friendly joe say they're made 101 trades while he was gm that's a lot um that's or is it 109 i'm sorry it's 109 trades and 161 signings his biggest contracts his big five we'll just do the big five to keep it simple okay brad richards nine years 60 million lundquist seven years 59.5 million scotty gomez 51.5 million lundquist uh his is uh his more is this was his first contract was six years at 41.25 million and then number five was wade redden six years at 39 million the gomez mm. and redden contracts were nightmares he found a way out of the gomez contract with what became one of his best trades but we can't forget that it involved a player it would look even better because he escaped his own nightmare right yeah that and was a big one. the wade redden contract was able to be escaped due to the the as a compliance buyout um so it didn't harm the team like if you think about that and you think about the legacy of this man like after those contracts we have gabrick stall girardi mcdonough broussard Roosevelt, stall again and those were like the biggest deals he signed Um, there are enough contracts in there where you shake your head but also he was at it so long that I feel like a lot of GMs would have a couple of stains I'm just not sure as many would have the The degree of mistakes that he had. Yeah, and
0: and it was a different time where, you know, you could bury Wade Redden in the minors and he didn't count against the salary cap. And there were, especially in the beginning when the whole leaks of the world, there was no salary cap. But yeah, definitely, I mean, Glenn Saylor leaves behind a complicated legacy. I think that's kind of the point. Um, and it is what it is it, it's gonna be what it's gonna be hopefully he finds somebody very nice to uh, replace him maybe steve heiserman Yeah, uh, that's
1: what i'm that's what i'm pulling well, that's what, for that's what we're hoping we'll for at this
0: point we'll, we'll yeah. get more to that as we go uh yeah. ladies and gentlemen i want to let you know that is going to be your flagship show uh Kaylin's me, um, crying. Time to wrap is. up. She's, she's upset. She's not happy. Um, Patreon is not working for me for some reason. It's not letting me see who our people are. So you know what? You're just going to get shouted at the Q&A show instead. Uh, love you all. Goodbye. Okay? That's what you get.
1: Bye-bye.